0: Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Thanks for being here today. So glad you're here. And Happy New Year, everyone. One of the habits that we have, and I think it's a good habit, every year we go back to basics, and so we, we learn about the science of mind sort of from scratch, and we're using the science of mind textbook, Ernest Holmes' exploration of this as a philosophy, and I'm going to start with the very first chapter of it today called The Thing Itself. And you'll notice the thing itself doesn't mention the G word at all. And that, of course, completely on purpose. The idea of this first lesson is to explore what this thing called spirit or God is. And in many ways, I'm gonna ask you to put aside all of your existing thoughts and training. I know, let's breathe. <laughs> Many of us were raised in different faith traditions. Many of us maybe weren't raised with an idea of what this uh, this thing called spirit is. Some of us maybe have an idea of some guy on a golden throne in the sky. Others maybe more indoctrinated in the mystical traditions and feel it as a force. And, and for right now, for just today, let's just step aside for just a moment and leave all of our existing thoughts and belief aside and and let's listen to what Ernest Holmes, the founder of Science Mind, has to say about this thing called spirit. A place to start by way of introduction is actually the foreword. I was lucky enough to get one of the last copies of the 50th anniversary edition of The Science of Mind, and the reason I love it so much, one of the reasons, is that it has a lovely introduction by Jean Houston, one of our modern mystics, and here is what she had to say in the 50th anniversary foreword. She says, this is a book for the ages. It contains the distilled wisdom of many eras, many cultures, and one great great soul. To read it is to be charged, to enter into partnership with spirit itself, to relearn the laws of co-creation. It is perhaps one of the most potent and influential books of the 20th century. And yet, It appears in no compendium of great books. Its words have inspired countless millions, seeded the growth of spiritually innovative churches and philosophies, and yet no universities place it as part of their curriculum. Perhaps this is as it should be, for it is the hidden masterpiece which must be discovered only one is ready to enter upon the larger life." So welcome to the larger life. And I'm going to start out with a joke. Two clergy argued late into the night about the existence of God. Using strong arguments from scripture and science, they ended up completely disproving God's very existence. A guy in the sky, a golden throne, judging our actions, watching everyone, causing pain and suffering. It just doesn't make any sense, they concluded to one another. The next morning, one clergy member was surprised to see the other walking into her church for services. I thought we agreed there is no God. Well, yes, she replied, but what does that have to do with anything? (laughs) So what is the nature of of God. What is this thing itself? Well, one thing I think that we agree on with the other major religions of the world is the scope of this thing. We do believe that God is omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. So all wise, all powerful, everywhere present. That is something that most of the world's religions agree on. But we do throw a spanner in there. Our definition of God also includes how that is to be, because we simply define God as all there is. So nothing outside of God, the manifest universe is part of God, that big bang that created everything was God doing its work and creating out of itself everything. So God very literally is all there is. Nothing outside of spirit, no devilish forces, no outside influences there only is spirit. Only is God. And so therefore, those three omnis that I mentioned make total sense, right? God is all wise because God is everything. Every bit of wisdom that has ever existed is within the realm of God. And the same with the idea of power, the same with the idea of presence. If God is everything, well, of course, God then is present in everything. If God is power in the universe, then God is power throughout the universe. So Wherever we go, wherever we are, spirit completely present. Now, this is an interesting construct. And one of the reasons I think that we do Back to Basics every year is it's easy to intellectualize that. It's easy just to say from our mental makeup, oh, sure, God is everything. But when you think about it, this has some serious implications, not just for our intellect, but from our heart as well. If truly everything is part of God, then when I speak to you, it is a part of God speaking to another part of God. And if I diss someone, if I create friction, if I'm not very nice to other people, I'm literally dissing God itself. Have you ever really thought about it that way? When you're not being your best self, you're doing it to other parts of spirit itself. When we defame other people, when we create a mess, it's not just that we're doing it for ourselves, because we're intimately connected to one another and to the cosmos, the other piece of it that uh, makes sense but but it 's hard to internalize is is about our prayer life and our spiritual life so often we 're used to the idea of praying to some like entity outside, something divorced from ourselves. And and if we go with this idea of God is all there is, then we only have to pray in a way that we intellectualize it, because our thoughts are part of God's thoughts. Our, our prayers are part of God's prayers from the gecko. It's part of the definition of how it works. So we don't have to capture somehow Spirit's imagination or intentions, the fact that it has captured our intentions and our imaginations means that God is already involved. So, number one the foundational idea is that God is all there is. And in fact, if you just went home right now, <laughs> you could tell everybody I know 80% of what they teach in the science of mind. Because almost everything else is a corollary, an add on to God is all there is. But I will throw out one more idea for today that's pretty important, and that also has to do with the nature of God as imminent. And because we say that God is everywhere present, that implies imminence. But but contrast that to how many people view God as, as separate. How many of us were raised with the idea that God created the heavens and the earth and then stepped back or, or removed itself from the creation and then is looking down and sort of judging, evaluating how it came out. It's a pretty typical belief. That's how I would suggest probably 75% of us had that notion of the creation and the creator being pretty separate. For children, it's portrayed in the clouds with a golden throne. And although we wouldn't literally probably think of spirit somehow as a a guy in the sky looking down in judgment, still there's that that flavor of, of spirit removed itself almost like the watchmaker created the watch and then then stepped back and and is observing it now and then when things break down causing a flood to clean things up a little bit things get too bad an earthquake will settle down this part of the world right and if things get really bad who knows maybe we need to have a supernova to just start a a clean slate in your part of the universe Uh, that's not what we believe here we believe that God and God's creation are all still part of God. And in fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about how God never stopped creating, that the creation process itself, of course, ongoing. But for today, I want to focus in on this idea of imminence because it is so important to really everything that we do here. Our prayers don't have to go anywhere because God is present. Our thoughts and our interactions with other people are present within the confines of spirit itself. There's no devilish forces. There's no distance between what we desire and our thoughts, right? It's another common thing that comes when we believe that spirit is separate from its creation, and that is that feeling of lack, that feeling that I don't have what I need to have the good life. It's almost as though the fingers on your hand were complaining that they don't have access to what they need to have. That this finger is saying, you know, it's really the pinky that gets more of the blood. It's really, it's really the nutrients are not adequately distributed. As the thumb here, I'm so much more separate and more important But you know, we're like that, and there is really no difference between any of us, and we have the access of the whole. And so often you'll hear our prayers on Sunday, claiming God's spirit, claiming God's love, claiming God's goodness, because it is here for us. It doesn't have to be something that we search for. It doesn't have to be something that we convince God that we're worthy of, because we are of spirit. And so by definition, the love that is God is your love to enjoy and to have. The abundance that we see in nature is likewise ours to experience and enjoy. All of the good things of life as as seen outwardly, we can also claim inwardly because we are made out of the same God stuff, all of us. Now, next week, we're going to talk more about our relationship to spirit. We're going to learn that God doesn't make junk, so to speak. And so that each one of us not only has the benefits of spirit, but really is divine. And so next week, we're going to explore that a little bit more. But again, I want to focus in on these key elements because they're the basics of everything we teach. God is all there is. Now, one of the things that I want to talk about then is we can't get all balled up in the idea of a devil, or hell, or infernal influences. If all there is is spirit, then even the things that seem unpleasant to us are still within the realm of spirit, still as a result of some of our choices, maybe, maybe poor choices, right? We're not always good at picking the right outcomes for ourselves. You'll, you'll have to admit and, and notice that in the world that much of the strife that we see isn't somehow ordained by a devil or a God, it's God giving us the free will to explore our universe. And so when you look around and you see war, when you look around and see famine, this is not caused on purpose by some either heavenly or devilly, it is we humans that are participating in our own free will. And so this idea of God being present everywhere isn't at all to suggest that there, there won't be things that look less than ideal in the world. And unfortunately, we have to navigate through that. And we'll talk more in a couple of weeks about how we can use some of the principles of science of mind to have better outcomes, to, to see our lives improving. But it isn't the idea that somehow God is punishing or that God is rewarding. We are all equal in the, in the eyes of spirit because we're all part of spirit. It's God approving of itself, including you. It's God blessing itself, including you. It's God offering up love and joy and peace and, and happiness and abundance as you and through you and for you so that it can enjoy itself think about that for a moment the only way God gets to experience the human existence is through us humans and so when we are enjoying ourselves, God is enjoying itself when we're experiencing love God is experiencing love when we're experiencing abundance and peace, all of the the good things that we desire, we're actually fulfilling those things in the human realm on behalf of spirit itself. Have you thought of yourself as acting on God's behalf, even in the most mundane, everyday ways? You don't need to have a ministry, you are a ministry. Everything that you say, everything that you do, everything that you act out has its basis in the divine. Now that isn't to say we're perfect individuals. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I could start with myself with that would be a very long and boring speech. <laughs> of course, we, we have our imperfections. Of course, we make bad decisions. But, but essentially and clearly, we still are an emissary of the divine made out of divine stuff, created to be part of the infinity that is spirit. It's all that we can be if we define, back to that definition of God as all there is, it means us too. So to recap, and then I'll give you a little bit of homework, really only two things you have to take out of today's lesson, if you will. One is that God is all there is, And that, too, God is eminently present always in everything, including yourself. All right, on to the homework. I'm hoping that most of you either enjoy a little bit of meditation, contemplation, or journaling. Because you can approach this homework in any one of those three ways. The idea is to explore... What is your idea about God or spirit? And of course, use your own languaging. Some of you might want to think of the divine as Allah, as the divine feminine. It's one of the reasons Ernest Holmes called this chapter the thing itself, because it's not important what it's called, but how do you picture it? How do you see it? And so that could be a journaling exercise. It could be something that you take into meditation or contemplation. How do you see this thing itself? And then once you have a, a mental picture of it, once you've written down the elements of it or, or what you believe to be true about it, I'd like you to compare it against the three omnis. Is this picture that you have created truly omnipresent? Is it present everywhere? Is it uh, omniscient? Is it wise? Does it contain the wisdom of all time? Is it all loving, right? I want you to evaluate this idea of spirit that you have in your own mind and see if it's big enough. See if it's powerful enough. Could what you have imagined in your own mind created the heavens and earth? Could what you have imagined in your own mind right now explain the, the wonderful science that we know to be true? Really think about, is my concept of spirit big enough, wise enough, glorious enough? And if not, is it time for the upgrade? Is it time for... A little bit of a change in there to allow for more love, for more joy, for more peace, for more happiness, for more abundance. Is your idea of spirit that big? Well, I'm going to close today with a, a quote from the book uh, and a prayer, of course. This is how he ends the first chapter of the thing itself. He says, briefly, let us recapitulate. There is that within every individual which partakes of the nature of the universal wholeness and, insofar as it operates, is part of God. There is that within us which partakes of the nature of the divine being. And since it partakes of the nature of the divine being, we, too, are divine. It reacts to us according to our belief in it, and it is an immutable law subject to the use of the least among us. So each of us has complete access to it. The mind which we discover within us is that mind which governs everything. This, this is the thing itself, and we can recognize it in its simplicity. Let us pray. There is one power. There is one presence. There is only this one thing, and it's everything. This thing itself, every person, every place, everything, every idea, everything seen, everything unseen, it is both the creator of the Big Bang and it is the manifest universe itself. It's all this one thing. And what I know to be true is that that, by definition, has to include me that which created in the heavens and the earth also created me that divinity is also within me and as it is true with me it's an inescapable fact that it is true for everyone and everything each of us created out of god's stuff each of us created in the image the spiritual image of spirit and so for this day i know that with increasing knowledge It is easy for each of us to see that when we're speaking to someone, we're speaking to another part of God. That when we are doing our prayer work, we only need to speak loud enough for our own mind to hear. That the things that we desire are within our reach because they too are part of our divine inheritance. Love is seeking us as much as we are seeking it. Peace is seeking us as much as we are seeking it because we are all made out of it. And so for this week, I I offer up this idea that each of us might expand our minds, our hearts, and our spiritual nature to have a God that is just a little bit bigger and at the same time, a little bit closer. To recognize the complete unity of all people and all things to recognize spirit in all and as all. And so for this capability, I give great thanks. I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law. I release it into the here and now where spirit resides. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you're here.